Hey there, food eaters. What's happening? This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. Welcome to my monthly podcast. This is episode number 48. In this episode, I continue the examination of alternative foods, that is, foods that are manufactured to cater to specific diets or health conditions. In the previous episode, number 47, I reviewed the gluten-free diet and a number of processed foods designed for gluten-sensitive consumers. The focus of this episode is the keto diet. Topics will include a description of the diet, its history, my personal bias, and a short list of processed foods manufactured for people on this diet. Along the way, I make a few interesting discoveries. If you're new to the podcast, here's some information about me. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and food chemical research. And for much of that time, I've had a zealous fascination, some may call it a morbid obsession, with processed foods, what's in those foods, and how they could affect our health. Also, I look behind the commercial food curtain at all of those strange, hard-to-pronounce, and sometimes dangerous ingredients that populate many of the foods stocked on grocery store shelves. This is a 100% free on-demand streaming program. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and to keep it that way, I don't work with any business or sponsoring organization. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you feel informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. Let's get to this keto business. If you follow my podcast, you know that I relentlessly challenge commercial foods that are ultra-processed. In other words, foods full of additives and synthetic ingredients that no healthy human body should be exposed to. Unfortunately, that's the nature of most of the foods in grocery, big box, and convenience stores in the United States. The processed food epidemic in this country is exemplified by the rising rates of obesity and deadly illnesses like cancer, heart disease, stroke, digestive disorders, autoimmune diseases, and diabetes. In this episode, and the last one, I take a different approach. Instead of looking at random foods in the supermarket, I examine foods specific to a way of eating. We Americans are suckers for new diets. Every few years, a diet rage appears, promising not only exceptional weight loss, but a healthier body as well. Some people are desperate to change their appearance, and these new diets take advantage of that desperation. Just think about diet trends you have heard about or adopted. Here's just a small sampling from the last five decades. Weight Watchers, Macrobiotic, SlimFast, Scarsdale, Barry Sears Zone Program, Blood Type, Raw Foods, Jenny Craig, Atkins, South Beach, Paleo, Nutrisystem, Mediterranean, and Plant-Based. That's a lot. Then there's the very modern keto diet with modern in quotes. Keto is short for ketogenic. I'll talk about that later. First, I want to express my personal bias. I first heard about the keto diet around 2010 from people I knew who were trying it out and advocating it. The diet did not make sense to me. People were eating high-fat foods and dissing carbs. 
It was the bizarro version of the typical American food regimen. For several decades, because of the burgeoning heart disease rate starting in the 1980s, high-fat foods were the boogeyman in the medical and dietary worlds. We were advised to keep fat intake at low levels. Manufacturing companies began to promote low-fat, reduced-fat, and no-fat foods. Remember the pricey Nabisco Snackwell products? Well, if you're old enough, you'll remember. Uh, The devil's food cookies were to die for. Of course, much of the fat was replaced by sweeteners. You don't get something for nothing. If you look at the USDA food pyramid from that time, the foods suggested for the most consumption were at the base of the pyramid and included bread, cereal, rice, and pasta, all high-carb foods. The next level up included vegetables and fruits. Above that was the protein level with dairy, meat, nuts, eggs, and beans. And then finally there was a top level, what we were supposed to eat the least of. That included fats, oils, and sweets. The keto diet inverts the food pyramid of the 80s. People are told to get the most calories from fats and oils, followed by protein foods, vegetables and fruits, and lastly, to to disdain uh, high-carb foods, including sweets. What's a consumer to believe? Well, we'll see the logic uh, behind the keto diet shortly. In 2018, the keto diet topped the list of trending health-related queries on search engines, so it was becoming a very hot topic. Although seemingly brand new, the keto diet was first proposed in the early 1900s to treat childhood epilepsy. At that time, anticonvulsant drugs were not available. The following info comes from the National Institutes of Health. In 1911, two French physicians recorded the first modern use of starvation, yes, I said starvation, uh, to treat epilepsy. Two doctors at the Harvard Medical School noted that seizure improvement typically occurred two to three days after a starvation diet was started. In the early 1920s, a physician at the Mayo Clinic suggested that a specific diet could produce similar benefits to fasting and proposed a diet that produced ketonemia. He studied a series of patients with epilepsy and demonstrated a result equivalent to fasting and that was maintained for a much longer period. This new concept of diet was designated the KD, keto diet. This is from Wikipedia. In 1994, Hollywood producer Jim Abrams, whose son's severe epilepsy was effectively controlled by the diet, created the Charlie Foundation for Ketogenic Therapies to further promote the diet as a treatment. In 1997, the foundation and the diet got publicity from a Meryl Streep movie called First Do No Harm. A research study was funded by the foundation in 1996, and that marked the beginning of scientific interest in the diet. In 1998, one of the first books for the public was authored by Lyle McDonald called The Ketogenic Diet, A Complete Guide for the Dieter and Practitioner. The book served as a reference for people who had questions regarding the effects of the diet. Let's dig a little deeper into the keto diet. As I said earlier, keto comes from the word ketogenic. 
The genic part refers to genesis and simply means to create. The keto part comes from a general class of organic compounds called ketones. You may be familiar with the simplest member of that class called acetone, a solvent used in the commercial world for removing paint and fingernail polish. When fat is metabolized in the body, ketone molecules or ketone bodies are produced, including acetone. Acetone has a distinctive odor. So when a person fasts or preferentially burns fat on a ketogenic diet or is a diabetic unable to metabolize sugar, the scent of acetone may be detected on their breath, a telltale sign. An obvious question, one I have often asked, is why anyone without epilepsy would intentionally go on a ketogenic diet? It sounds awful to me, since the main food group is fat and oils. To answer that question, let's back up a second. The body has several mechanisms for producing energy to maintain organs, tissues, structure, and function. We are energy-producing organisms. That's why we have a steady body temperature of around 98.6 degrees instead of room temperature. Our primary fuel source is glucose, a very basic carbohydrate. All the tissues and organs of the body metabolize glucose for energy. The brain in particular is a glucose engine breaking down about 20% of the glucose obtained from our food. A secondary fuel source is fat or oil. In times of starvation, when fat is not readily available, the body can keep itself alive by breaking down fat stores in the liver. That's ketosis and ketone bodies like acetone are produced. This is an important natural energy pathway for us since, particularly in ancient times, food could be scarce. Most of us know that humans can only exist a few days without water, but we could last up to several months without food due to ketosis. If that wasn't the case, hunger strikes would not be possible, right? The third energy pathway is the burning of protein, This is the least likely choice and the last to happen on a starvation diet. Losing protein would lead to muscle wasting, which would eventually spell the end of you. Back to the question about why go on a ketogenic diet. There are several reasons besides the treatment for epilepsy. First, it's an effective way to lose weight. Since the body primarily burns glucose for energy, if external carbs are eliminated or substantially reduced, Then the body will begin to use up glycogen, a glucose reserve in the muscles and the liver. That process causes water loss, so at the very beginning of the diet, pounds fall off. After several days and maybe up to a week, the body switches to burning fat, so that's ketosis. The loss of body fat also gives rise to weight loss. If a dieter has the discipline to stick to a strict ketogenic diet, they will continue to lose weight as excess fat is lost. Note that I mentioned a strict ketogenic diet. Let's look into that. There is no such thing as a standard ketogenic diet that the USDA or some other authoritative body recommends for everyone, but there is some consensus about what the diet should look like to encourage ketosis. Here are the general recommendations based on uh, surveying several websites that advocate for keto diets. First of all, uh, 70 to 80 percent of the calories consumed should come from fats and oils. 
20 to 25% of calories should come from protein. And finally, 5 to 10% of the calories should come from net carbs. Now, what is a net carb? A net carb is defined as the total carbs in grams minus the fiber content in grams minus any non-metabolized carbs, which I'll talk about those later. And we'll see some examples of uh, calculating net carbs. What those percentages mean in reality is if you consumed 2,500 calories per day, the macronutrient consumption would be as follows based upon the mid-range figures of the ranges I gave earlier. That is 75% fat, 22.5% protein, and 7.5% net carbs. So, you would eat the following every day. 208 grams of fat, that's 7.3 ounces. 125 grams of protein, that's 4.4 ounces. And then 30 grams of carbs, that's 1.1 ounce. Note that some keto proponents might be stricter than this and limit net carb consumption to no more than 20 grams per day. These carb amounts are very radical compared to pretty much any other low-carb diet. For example, if, if you ate a medium apple, it would contain about 25 total carbs and 2 grams of fiber. Therefore, the, the net carb content would be 25 minus 2, or 23 grams. On a very strict keto diet, that apple would be all you could eat as regards net carbs that day. What types of fatty foods are recommended on the keto diet? Well, there's meats, nuts, avocado oil, saturated monosaturated oils such as coconut oil, olive oil, cream, butter, ghee, lard, flax seeds, chia seeds, unsweetened nut and seed butters. What types of protein foods are recommended? Well, it's organic, pasture-raised beef, organic fish and seafood, plus other unprocessed meats and nuts and seeds. What types of vegetables are recommended? Non-starchy vegetables like leafy greens, cucumbers, lettuces, spinach, kale, broccoli, and cauliflower. Potatoes and corn are off the list. What about dairy? High-fat dairy products like Greek yogurt and full-fat cheeses like cheddar. Other foods? Well, as I mentioned before, nuts and seeds in moderation. Fattier nuts uh, are better like almonds and macadamia nuts. And then, in general, avoid most fruits except berries. What about uh, beverages? What to drink? Mainly water or water with natural flavorings. Say goodbye to beer, wine, and liquor. Overall, Whole foods or minimally processed foods are recommended and people are advised to stay away from ultra-processed foods. Now, I'm all for that. For baked goods, nut and seed flours should be used in place of wheat flour. Basically, when all is said and done, eating foods on a keto diet involves adding rich sources of fat and eliminating rich sources of carbs such as flour products, most fruits, starchy veggies uh, like potatoes and other root vegetables, and then sugary foods. 
Besides weight loss, another benefit of keto diets is the control of blood sugar. Of course, this is appealing to diabetics who are either on insulin or other drugs like metformin that regulate blood sugar levels. If a diabetic has an extremely low intake of carbohydrates, then, of course, blood sugar levels will drop and a reduction of medication might follow. However, this diet doesn't address the cause of diabetes, which, in the case of type 2, is a lack of insulin sensitivity. That is, enough insulin is being produced in the body, but it's unable to shuttle glucose across cell membranes to be metabolized within cells. Hence, glucose builds up in the blood to dangerously high levels. Although a keto diet may work for diabetics, there are side effects such as headaches, fatigue, muscle cramps, skin rashes, digestive disturbances, bone loss, and essential nutrient deficiencies. Most people are unable to sustain a keto diet over the long term, so any benefits for diabetics will likely be short-term, Plus, imagine living a life deprived of carbohydrates, which are packaged with many healthy nutrients in produce such as potatoes, yams, corn, and and wheat products. Also, on the downside, diabetics are more at risk for heart disease. The consumption of a fat-rich diet full of saturated fat will enhance that risk. Lastly, before moving on to the evaluation of commercial keto food, studies have shown that weight loss results on a low-carb diet after one year tend to be about the same as eating a normal, healthy diet. So why suffer the ill effects of a keto diet? Let's face it, the keto diet is radical, and many people who attempt it are not going to adhere to the strict requirements for maintaining ketosis, which, which is the whole point of doing it. Also, we Americans love our snacks and desserts, and most likely will have a difficult time giving them up when we go on the keto diet. We carefully craft those cravings over a lifetime. That's where the processed food industry comes into play. There there are food companies that create keto-friendly foods, so people can continue to down salty chips, sugary cookies, and other desserts. Unfortunately, these foods usually are two to four times more expensive than their carb-based equivalents. But who cares? When you're trying to lose weight, that's a small price to pay, right? Next, I will evaluate five keto-friendly snack foods plus one frozen meal delivered through an online service. We'll see that some unusual ingredients are used as the companies get creative in replacing carbs and ratcheting up the fat content. The first product to consider is dark chocolate almond butter cups made by the Go Better Keto Company. Reminds me of an old favorite, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. The company describes the snack as follows. A great keto diet dessert with just the right amount of sweetness to kick any cravings to the curb. Note the word cravings uh, in that sentence. At Amazon, this treat sells for $9.99. For that, you get a bag of 16 individual cups, which weighs a total of four and a quarter ounces. One serving is four of the cups and weighs 32 grams. The company proudly states on the package, no sugar, no sugar alcohol, no artificial sweeteners, no artificial flavors, no artificial colors. 
And yes, it uh, contains zero net carbs. Yes, it's dairy-free. Yes, it's gluten-free. And yes, it's plant-based. Covers a lot of things. Here are the 10 ingredients. Cocoa liquor, roasted almonds, cocoa butter, prebiotic-soluble corn fiber, allulose, MCT powder, Madagascar bourbon vanilla bean extract, sunflower lecithin, salt, and monk fruit extract. Let's take a look at the uh, nutrition facts. Okay, each serving, that is uh, uh, four cups, is 160 calories. There are 15 grams of fat, that's 47% by weight, and 84% of the calories are fat. Uh, Of the 15 grams, 8 grams are saturated fat, uh, 0 milligrams of cholesterol, and that's because there's no animal products in this, Uh, Then there's 30 milligrams of sodium, 12 grams of total carbs. Now, there are 8 grams of fiber, which is actually 25% of the total. Uh, So this makes the uh, net grams uh, will be uh, the 12 total grams minus the 8 grams of fiber. And then you can also subtract another 4 grams for the indigestible uh, sugars that I'll talk about here soon. So it's 12 grams minus 8 grams minus 4 grams. That is a net carb content of 0 grams. Finally, there are 3 grams of protein. So according to the earlier definition for fat and carb contents, this product qualifies as a keto food. Let's look more closely at the ingredients. The fourth ingredient is soluble corn fiber. Now, wait a second. Corn is not supposed to be a part of the keto diet. But this material is a derivative of cornstarch that has been chemically manipulated to pass through the gut without getting broken down into glucose. So it essentially acts as a fiber. Probably the majority of the 8 grams of fiber listed on the label comes from this ingredient. Note that a rounded teaspoon of Metamucil, a fiber-rich supplement, contains approximately 3.4 grams of psyllium husk. That provides 3 grams of dietary fiber, of which 2 grams are soluble. So, one serving of this snack has 4 times the soluble fiber content of a single serving of Metamucil. If you try this stuff, you may want to stay very close to a bathroom. The fifth ingredient is allulose. This chemical is a member of the extensive family of organic compounds classified as sugars. That includes cane sugar and glucose. Not all members of that family exhibit sweetness. Allulose is interesting in that it is sweet, 70% as sweet as table sugar, but it is minimally metabolized and it gets excreted largely unchanged. First identified more than 70 years ago, It is naturally present in small amounts in some foods, for example, wheat, figs, raisins, and maple syrup. Allulose is a newcomer to the sweetener market. The FDA approved it for commercial use in foods in 2012. It has the same downsides as any indigestible product. That is, may cause flagellants, gas, abdominal discomfort, and diarrhea due to fermentation in the gastrointestinal tract. The sixth ingredient is MCT powder. 
That's an acronym that you may not be familiar with. It stands for medium chain triglycerides. Here's another new ingredient in the FOR podcast series. First, a bit of explanation about the name. All fats and oils are made up of triglycerides. These are molecules consisting of three long chains of carbon atoms, upwards of 18 of them. MCTs are composed of molecules with shorter chains, that is, medium chains of carbons. Medium chain triglycerides, MCTs, are partially man-made fats. They are generally made by processing coconut and palm kernel oils in the laboratory or factory. People use MCTs as medicine or they may be combined with other medicines for treating food absorption disorders. Athletes sometimes use them for nutritional support during training, to increase exercise performance, for decreasing body fat and increasing lean muscle mass, and for weight loss. They might be used by diabetics. Because of their shorter length, MCTs are more easily digested and absorbed in the GI tract than long-chain triglycerides. MCTs have a unique chemistry which allows them to more easily enter cells to get metabolized. The unique features of MCTs make them useful for the ketogenic diet because they are capable of producing more ketones than regular fat. MCTs are liquid oils, but they can be processed with carrier ingredients like milk proteins to convert them into a powder form, as in this keto snack. MCT powders have from 50 to 80% oil. The tenth ingredient, present in even smaller amounts than salt, is monk fruit extract. I'm on a roll here for new ingredients. The FDA approved this additive around 2016, so it's very new to commercial foods. Monk fruit does not raise insulin levels at all or increase blood sugar levels. Therefore, it's a promising natural sweetener for those with type 2 diabetes. As a result of its naturally sweet taste and zero glycemic index value, monk fruit may help with weight loss. In addition, monk fruit may help curb cravings for sugary snacks that spike blood sugar levels. Monk fruit comes from a plant in the subtropical climate of southwest China. The name of the sweetener derives from monks who cultivated the fruit many centuries ago. It's more than 100 times sweeter than regular table sugar. That's why it's the last ingredient on the label, since it doesn't take much to add sweetness to a food. How processed are the dark chocolate almond butter cups? Of the 10 ingredients, five of them could be classified as very processed. Soluble corn fiber, allulose, MCT powder, sunflower lecithin, and monk fruit extract. That's 50% uh, showing that this candy product is highly processed. The second product to look at is the Keto Fat Bomb Mint Cup, made by SlimFast. The company describes it like this. This is a no-compromise, keto-friendly snack. Diffuse cravings between meals with this decadent combination of chocolate and cool, creamy, mint-flavored filling. 
These bombs are bursting with delicious indulgence. Okay, at Amazon, this treat sells for $9.97. You get a bag of 14 individual cups, which weighs a total of 14.8 ounces. One serving is a single cup weighing 17 grams. Let's pause for a moment and address this new food term, fat bombs. This phrase appears frequently in keto circles. What are they? They are food concoctions that typically contain over 90% fat. Yes, you heard that right, 90% fat. They are so high in fat and low in protein that they help burn more fat for fuel, allowing a keto dieter to stay in ketosis. The most common ingredients are coconut oil, high-fat dairy like butter, cream cheese, And then there are additives such as herbs, flavorings, nuts, nut butter, berries, eggs, and cream. Here is a basic recipe for a keto fat bomb. Melt the fat, mix in the other ingredients, form everything into a ball, and uh, multiple balls, and then refrigerate. For example, take one-fourth cup of coconut oil plus one-fourth cup of cocoa powder, mix them together, then melt the fat. Add flavorings and non-nutritive sweeteners. Pour the mixture into a serving tray or container. Place it in a refrigerator to harden the bomb. If you do an internet search, you'll find numerous recipes for fat bombs. Here are the 20 ingredients in this fat bomb product. There's a chocolate coating consisting of unsweetened chocolate, cocoa butter, inulin, erythritol, calcium carbonate, milk fat, stevia leaf extract, natural flavor, and vanilla extract. Then it also has MCT oil blend that's composed of coconut, palm kernel, and palm oils. Then there's erythritol, sodium caseinate, inulin, natural cream flavor. Uh, It's colored with, this is the filling, colored with spirulina and turmeric. And there's sunflower and or soy lecithin, salt, peppermint oil, and finally, stevia leaf extract. Here are the nutrition facts. Uh, Each serving of one cup is 90 calories. There are 8 grams of fat, that's 47% by weight, and then 80% of the calories are fat. Of the 8 grams of fat, 6 of them are saturated fat. There are 0 milligrams of cholesterol. There are 20 milligrams of sodium, 7 grams of total carbs. Uh, There are 3 grams of fiber. That's 18% of the total. And then the net carbs uh, are as follows. You take the 7 total carbs minus 3 grams of fiber minus 3 grams of the non-nutritive sweetener, which is erythritol. And you get a value then of one one net gram. And then finally, there's one gram of protein in each cup. Now notice that 75% of the fat is saturated. This is not a heart-friendly snack. Also note that it is highly unlikely that a consumer would eat just one cup at a sitting. Let's imagine with some moderate restraint that a person downs four of the fat bomb cups. That's a consumption of 360 calories and 32 grams of fat. Now, according to the earlier definition for fat and carb contents, this product does qualify as a keto food. 
Let's look at the ingredients a little closer. To substitute for table sugar, there are a number of ingredients that provide sweetness. We have erythritol, a sugar alcohol, and stevia leaf extract derived from a natural sweetener. MCT oil shows up again, but in liquid form. Fiber is provided by inulin. And the newbies continue. Inulins are a group of naturally occurring polysaccharides produced by many types of plants, most often extracted from chicory. The inulins belong to a class of dietary fibers known as fructans. In the United States in 2018, the FDA approved inulin as a dietary fiber ingredient to improve the nutritional value of manufactured food products. These undigestible carbs are rapidly fermented in the gut to produce gas. Note that turmeric and spirulina are used as natural food colorings to replace the conventional artificial colors in this product, and, and that's a good thing. How processed is this food? Of the 20 ingredients, 11 of them, or 55%, are highly processed. The third product to evaluate is the pancake and waffle mix made by Keto and Company. The product is described as fluffy, gluten-free, and low-carb pancakes. It is non-GMO, diabetic-friendly, and contains no sugar. I chose this food to look, it, look at it as an example of the use of wheat substitutes. At Amazon, this mix sells for $9.99 for a 9.3-ounce box. That's 265 grams, and the whole box makes uh, 30 pancakes. Uh, there are five batches of pancakes in each box. A batch consists of one-half pancake mix, that is 53 grams, plus the consumer needs to add three large eggs, two tablespoons of nut milk or water, and one tablespoon of oil. Here is the list of 14 ingredients. Almond flour, coconut flour, one dose sugar replacer, which includes erythritol, non-GMO soluble corn fiber, inulin, monk fruit, and natural flavors. Continuing, there is baking powder, milk protein isolate, natural flavors, xanthan gum, sunflower lecithin, salt, and cinnamon. Here are the nutrition facts. Each serving is 17 grams of dry mix, equivalent to two pancakes. The data which follows does not include the added eggs, nut milk, or oil. So uh, for the two pancakes, uh, that amounts to 50 calories. There's 3 grams of fat, that's 17% by weight. And then 54% of the calories are from fat. There's a half a gram of saturated fat, no uh, milligrams of cholesterol. And there's 250 milligrams of sodium total of 8 grams of carbs, 5 grams are fiber, that's 29% of the total weight, and then the net carbs uh, turn out to be the 8 gram total minus the 5 grams of fiber minus 2 grams from erythritol, leaving 1 gram of net carb. And then finally, there's 3 grams of protein. There's not much to say about the ingredients since most of them appear in other food products that I've discussed. 
and earlier episodes. But I do want to point out the use of almond and coconut flours as replacements for wheat. That allows for a huge reduction in carbs in this baked good. Note that the fat content at 54% of calories is under the ideal range of 70 to 80%. So this is not the best food to consume on a keto diet to maintain ketosis, even though the net carb content is acceptable. Notice that this product has a high sodium content at 250 milligrams. The usual rule of thumb is to avoid foods that have more milligrams of sodium than calories per serving. In this case, the sodium content is five times the calorie content. For the fourth product, I want to review the Friendly Low Carb Snack Mix, manufactured by the High Low Life Company. The product is described as follows. Super cheesy, crispy cheddar cheese and almonds snack mix, liberally dusted with bold seasonings that satisfy your snacking fix. Snack without sacrifices. That last claim is fascinating. Even though you're on an extreme food regimen that switch your body from its primary fuel to a reserve fuel, you don't have to give up your favorite snack foods. At Amazon, this snack mix sells for $14.98, and you get six 1.48-ounce packs. That's a, a total amount of 8.8 ounces. If you could buy one pound of this product, it would cost $27. Just imagine. That's pretty hefty. Here are the 20 ingredients. Uh, there's cheddar cheese, composed of pasteurized cultured milk, salt, annatto, and enzymes. Then roasted almonds. Cheddar seasoning, made of cheddar cheese powder, which itself is made from cultured milk, salt, and enzymes. And then there's butter, milk powder, non-fat uh, dry milk, yeast extract, onion powder, natural flavor, and cream powder. And there's less than 2% uh, in this product of whey, protein concentrate, disodium phosphate, garlic powder, spice, whatever that is, paprika extract, and sunflower oil. Note that there are no sweeteners in this product. That's a rarity for a snack food. Here are the nutrition facts. Each serving which is one bag, is 42 grams in weight. There are 250 calories, 21 grams of fat, that's 50% by weight, and there's 76% of the calories from fat. Of the 21 grams of fat, eight of them are saturated. There are 20 milligrams of cholesterol, 260 milligrams of sodium. Uh, there's a total of five grams of carbs, Two grams are fiber, which amounts to 29% of the total weight. And then the, the net carbs in this product are five grams minus two grams, which equals three grams for the net. Finally, there's 12 grams of protein. Regarding the ingredients, they are mostly cheese, seasonings, and flavorings. The manufacturer somehow figured out how to convert cheddar cheese into a crunchy snack without the use of any type of flour. It's a technological miracle. Did you hear me mention the use of non-fat dry milk in the ingredient list? Now that's a strange ingredient given the 50% fat content in this product. Why be concerned about a little more fat from milk powder? How processed is this crunchy cheese snack? Of the 20 ingredients, I'd guess that 8 of them 
or 40% are highly processed or synthetic. This is certainly not a health food. The contents of each bag provide 250 calories. Uh, could you limit yourself to one bag, which is 1.5 ounces? If you really like this snack and decide to eat four bags, the calorie count for this for this one snack item would be 1,000 calories. However, with a fat content of 76% of calories, it does satisfy the keto recommendation of 70 to 80% of the calories coming from fat. However, 38% of the fat is saturated, not good for the heart or circulatory system. This is the first product to contain cholesterol, a whopping 20 milligrams in a single serving. That's also bad for the heart. At 260 milligrams, the sodium content is high, but if you follow the sodium guideline mentioned earlier, this stuff passes the test with 250 calories versus 260 milligrams of sodium. Of all the products reviewed so far, this food is the least acceptable as regards net carbs. It has 3 grams. If you did eat 4 bags at a sitting, you would be getting 12 grams of net carbs, or about 50% of the daily recommendation. Keto dieters should try to control their cravings when eating this snack. The fifth and final snack to look at is Cheddar Believe It by the Moon Cheese Company. Seems as though many of the keto-friendly products have cheese as their mainstay. The company's description is as follows. 100% natural, totally real cheese snack, which is high in bone-building calcium, crunchy and delicious, needs no refrigeration. The price at Amazon is $13 for a 10-ounce pack. Here are the five ingredients. Cheddar cheese, composed of pasteurized milk, cheese culture, salt, enzymes, and annatto for color. That's it. Here are the nutrition facts. Each serving is one ounce or 28.3 grams, has 170 calories, 14 grams of fat, that's 50% by weight, and then uh, 74% of the total calories are fat. Of the 14 grams of fat, nine of them are saturated fat. There's 45 milligrams of cholesterol, 350 milligrams of sodium, one gram of total carbs, and so the net carbs, uh, there's no fiber in this, so the net carbs is just one gram. And finally, it has 11 grams of protein. This snack is similar to the Hilo product in that cheese is the main ingredient, and both manufacturers figured out how to make cheesy, crunchy snacks out of just cheese. However, in this case, not only are there no alternative flours in the product, but there aren't even any seasonings or flavoring. Now, that's truly an engineering marvel. There is only one ingredient that I would classify as highly processed, and there are no synthetic ingredients. So, from the perspective of over-processed foods, this snack breaks the mold. But on the downside, there are a few nutritional concerns. If you got overzealous and ate the whole bag at one sitting, that would give you a whopping 1,700 calories. I said 1,700 calories. Now, how many times in your life have you eaten a whole bag of chips? Probably too numerous to count. Also, in that whole bag uh, of this product, there would be 140 grams of fat, 
450 milligrams of cholesterol, and 3,500 milligrams of sodium. That's out the roof. From a keto perspective, this product does satisfy the bill. Only one net carb per serving. Even if you ate the whole bag, that's only 10 grams of net carbs, and you could still indulge in a few more carbs the rest of the day. At 74% of calories from fat, this cheese snack also follows the recommendation for a high-fat diet. Finally, I want to talk about a frozen keto dinner. Nowadays, there are a number of online companies that prepare meals for a variety of diets and ship them frozen to your door. The keto diet is no exception. I provide just one example here. The company called 518 Kitchen offers a bacon quiche for $7.99. The product weighs in at 7.5 ounces or 222 grams. I don't know about you, but I usually eat more than more than that per meal to, to satisfy my appetite. I would need to eat two containers per meal of this stuff, even if a side salad was available. Then the cost would jump to $15 plus shipping for just that one meal. The company describes the bacon in this dish as applewood smoked, uncured, and nitrate free. Here are the 27 ingredients. Okay, so there's a liquid egg, citric acid mixed together. There's heavy cream, cream cheese that has pasteurized milk and cream and salt, carabine gum, cheese culture. There's cheddar cheese with pasteurized milk, cheese culture, salt, and enzymes. There's Swiss cheese with pasteurized milk, cheese culture, salt, and enzymes. There's bacon that has pork, water, sea salt, and cultured celery powder. Then there's mozzarella cheese with pasteurized milk, cheese culture, salt, and enzymes. Then there's almond flour, sea salt, black pepper, and finally ground nutmeg. Here are the nutrition facts. So each serving, as I said, is seven and a half ounces. That's 222 grams. Uh, there's 800 calories in the meal. 72 grams of fat, which uh, amounts to 32.4% by weight. And it's 81% of the calories. Of the 72 grams of fat, 36 of them are saturated fat. There's 1.5 grams of trans fat, there's 345 milligrams of cholesterol, 540 milligrams of sodium. There's a total of six carbs in the product. There's uh, just one gram of fiber, so if you take the difference, there's six grams minus one. That gives five grams of net carbs, and then finally there's 35 grams of protein. This meal is essentially a combination of eggs, dairy, bacon, and seasonings, including four different cheeses. The 27 ingredients in the product sound like a lot, but there are many repetitions. The number of unique ingredients is only about 11. Of those 11 ingredients, three of them, or 27%, are highly processed or synthetic. In this bacon quiche, fat is the operative word since two and a half ounces of fat will be consumed, with half of those being saturated, unhealthy fats. There is even a little bit of heart-harmful trans fat that's not seen in other products. The cholesterol consumption uh, exceeds the daily recommendation. Needless to say, if two of these meals were eaten in the same day, the body would take a terrible cholesterol hit. However, from the keto perspective, it does meet all recommendations for fat and net carb content. All right, let's summarize what's been learned uh, in this episode. 
Obesity and morbid obesity are real problems in the United States, which contribute to all kinds of related health problems. Changing food consumption patterns is essential to free ourselves from the suffering arising from excess weight. Diets, particularly extreme ones like the keto diet, provide a short-term fix if strictly followed. However, in the long term, they will either turn out to be no better than simply eating a healthy conventional diet, or they could cause new health problems. The keto diet has not been scientifically studied over long periods, such as a year, so no firm conclusions can be drawn at this time. Also, to get definitive data, the studies would need to be random and controlled investigations. The problem with that is finding enough volunteers willing to stick to a strict keto diet for a year or more. Not likely to happen. The keto diet may help diabetics, particularly type 2, to control their blood sugar and to reduce medications like insulin and metformin. However, the keto diet is not a cure and does not address the cause of type 2 diabetes. Carbohydrates in the diet are not the problem. It's the uptake of glucose from the blood by liver and muscle cells that's the problem. And as already mentioned, staying on a keto diet indefinitely is problematic since people tend not to be very disciplined and the long-term health effects are not known. As with any popular diet that takes over the national consciousness, food manufacturers get busy creating specialty foods to satisfy dieters. That's a financial opportunity for business people. We Americans love our sweet, salty, and fatty foods. Cravings established on the standard American diet are not easily lost when we switch to another diet. So products are developed to address those cravings, even on a strict diet that discourages sweet and salty foods. Keto dieters need to be careful in selecting the types of foods to eat, since as we've seen, snack foods that satisfy keto requirements may not be healthy for the body. As usual, people are advised to religiously read food labels to evaluate ingredients and the nutritional content. On a personal side, I'm pretty skeptical about the keto diet. It doesn't make sense to me to force the body into some pseudo-starvation mode, flip the metabolism from burning glucose, which is normal, to burning fat, which is extreme, and to abandon a massive number of foods that provide many nutritional benefits. Let's summarize the upsides and the downsides of the keto diet. Here are the upsides. 1. For strict adherence, weight loss is a definite effect. 2. A reduction in appetite and feeling more energy may result. 3. There are benefits from reducing or eliminating highly processed foods. 4. People with sugar addictions may reduce their cravings by eliminating simple sugars. 5. Diabetics may benefit by controlling blood sugar and reducing or eliminating medicines. Alright, here are the downsides. Number 1. Cost. Commercial keto products are very expensive. 2. High-fat diets have been shown to adversely affect circulatory systems leading to heart disease and stroke. 3. The body needs a diversity of healthy foods to get the nutrients it needs to function optimally. Keto diets eliminate many of those foods, particularly fiber, uh, for maintaining healthy gut function. And lastly, to be truly effective, the keto diet must be strictly followed to produce a ketotic state in the body 
and most people probably don't have the discipline to adhere to the rigorous diet recommendations. Well, food eaters, that's it for this episode. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Let me know what you think. If you have a little more time, I'd greatly appreciate a review, good, bad, or indifferent, at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com. Or just by Googling Food Labels Revealed. If you have a question or comment or anything about food ingredients or this podcast or simply just want to say hello, drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's foodlabelsrevealed, all one phrase, at gmail.com. If you think your family, friends, coworkers, or acquaintances might be interested in this podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. Don't forget that the references provided in this podcast are available in the show notes located at the Podbean hosting website, or they may appear in your podcast app. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast. Feel free to share the posts. Next month, I'll continue looking at alternative processed foods when I turn my attention to another popular trend, the plant-based diet. Until later, always remember, if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is a clip from Tears of a Clown composed by Audio Binger.